Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good Sunday to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. This is your culinary, culture, and lifestyle show. It's a place for people who love to cook or love to eat. And I hope that you'll tune in every Sunday and stay tuned because I'm keeping you updated on the food scene around the world. And we'll take deep explorations of a broad range of topics. This show is intended to be radio's answer to gastronomic conversation and inspiration. I'm all about the culture of food and living the best life. And on this show, we celebrate food and its ability to feed the soul through trends and travel, health, the environment, wine, mixology, and more. So set your culinary sights higher and do tune in because you're bound to find something that you love on this show. I hope you'll visit chefjamie.com as well, where I'm sharing inspired recipes for everyday meals and those worthy of a celebration as well. And I hope you'll become a friend and a fan and find my daily dish on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. My goal is to satiate your appetite. And this hour, you will hear from our resident Italian food expert live from Rome. Katie Parla is stopping by to talk the 10 hottest restaurants in Rome right now. Also, Rebecca Stritchfield, author and motivational speaker, is sharing inspiration for body kindness, certainly apropos at the start of this new year and as we all look to fulfill our resolutions. And before the end of the hour, you'll hear from National Geographic's travel expert and guru. She is Annie Fitzsimmons, and she's sharing the most romantic destinations and what to eat where. As I mentioned, we are all about travel and food-centric conversation on this show. So hopefully you'll get a, a bite, a taste of it all. I'm always trying to share tips and tricks at the beginning of every Sunday's hour of delicious conversation to help you navigate around your kitchen like a pro and, of course, to make your dishes come alive with flavor. So if you're like me, you use a lot of Parmesan cheese. I love Parmesan cheese. It has that wonderful umami nature to it, that umami, that newfound sense that you can't really put your finger on, but it's found in soy sauce and mushrooms and it, it satiates the palate. And Parmigiano Reggiano, as great Italians call it, is no doubt chock full of umami. Um, Parmesan cheese has a, a hard, gritty texture and it's fruity and it's nutty and it has great flavor. And of course you can buy Parmigiano Reggiano, as they say. Uh, but I suggest you always buy good quality Parmesan, no matter what you choose. Then, of course, there's Grana Padano, even higher quality, often considered the king of Parmesan cheeses. And Grana is aged a minimum of 18 months. It's made in northern Italy around the Po Valley, where they must have really good cows because it's truly the most delicious Parmesan, in my opinion. 
And then you can always buy a blend of uh, Parmesan and Romano, which tends to be a little bit bitier, offset by the Parmesan, which is a little softer. And I think it's a wonderful combination for pasta. There's a whole slew of aged Parmesans that you should taste and choose from so that you determine what's best for your palate. But no matter the Parmesan you choose, I suggest, again, buy good quality cheese and always grate it yourself. Buy the wedge and grate it right down to the rind using a microplane grater or whatever your grater of choice is. But you always want to save the rind for other dishes. So this culinary conversation is really about rinds. If you've been throwing away the rinds, then you've been missing out on putting them to a very delicious second use. And I like to say, waste not, want not. As you collect the rinds, you save them in a resealable bag. And by the way, you store them in the freezer. Now, you can also buy rinds in the supermarket today, since the cheesemonger has gotten very smart and is usually saving them and then selling them to you in bulk. So buy a bag and store them and you will be a culinary hero because when you need a flavor boost, you transform those collected ends of Parmesan cheese and they become rich, delicious infusions of umami flavor. The rind itself adds a a subtle yet sort of funky depth to many dishes. You can actually make a Parmesan broth just by simmering the rinds in water and then reducing it by half. And I stir it every now and then to keep the rinds from settling on the bottom of the pot and sticking. And then I strain the broth and I use it in vegetable soups or if I'm making beans or even risotto you really get an extraordinary boost of flavor. But I have lots of other great ways to use the rinds if you're ready. You take the Parmesan rind that you saved from the last time you grated it down to the uh, itty bitty end and you throw a rind into tomato sauce when it's cooking. It imparts some really nice flavor and then when you're done cooking the sauce, you pull out the rind and discard it. You can always place your rinds in a mason jar, pour olive oil over them, uh, perhaps add some garlic cloves if you like, and you'll make Parmesan-infused olive oil, and it is really great for dipping bread into. You can always throw a rind into a bean soup or a minestrone as well and add a tremendous depth of flavor to what is a very vegetarian base. You can throw a rind of Parmesan into the pot when you're making stock. Could be chicken, could be beef, doesn't really matter. You won't know it's there. It just adds that that depth and that intensity. Before uh, you finish making a stew, throw a rind in as well for a new level of flavor. You can use a Parmesan rind to flavor steamed artichokes, some chicken broth, uh, maybe a shallot, garlic cloves, lemon juice, and a Parmesan rind or two. And you have a really fabulous infusion of flavor when cooking artichokes come spring. As I mentioned, put a rind in the pot when you're cooking risotto or any other rice for that matter, and then remove the rind before you serve. And then lastly, if you want to make the best tomato soup ever, make it super cheesy and throw in a piece of that Parmesan rind 
and your friends and family will be begging you for seconds. Now, when it comes to adding the flavor of Parmesan goodness to your dishes, I have a recipe posted at chefjamie.com for an eight-minute pressure cooker risotto that is really out of this world. It will warm your soul during these cold winter months. And by the way, a stovetop or even an electric pressure cooker is essential to this recipe because you can make Italian approved risotto that comes out creamy and delicious every time, just like the original, but it's a far faster process when you do it in the pressure cooker and it cuts out all the usual stirring. Now, consider grating Parmesan cheese in a heavy dose over cauliflower and roast it for an umami-rich side dish. Or you can do the same with potatoes and roast them with cheesy goodness. Um, Parmesan chicken cutlets I love. A good coating of grated Parmesan cheese and a squeeze of lemon, and oh, they're luscious. You can throw Parmesan cheese into your scrambled eggs or your next baby green salad, and you'll add some salty, scrumptious flavor that really makes dishes craveable. So you have this wedge of Parmesan cheese and you're grating it down in all your delicious dishes and then you're saving the rinds for a good second purpose. And just as you always have a bottle of wine on hand for unexpected company, or maybe it's just one of those days, or you might keep cookie dough in the freezer in case of emergency, you should always, you should always have a a triangle wedge of Parmesan in your cheese drawer because Parmesan will make any savory dish better, more deeply flavored, more likely to inspire all those wonderful oohs and ahs when everybody is eating something really, really good. So all I have to say is more Parmesan cheese, please. You can find more inspiration once again at chefjamie.com. Okay, it's time for some food news. As you set your culinary sights higher, M&M lovers, listen here. We all know and love M&Ms. And for years, they've been tinkering with a million different flavor ideas. They launched the ice cream sundae flavor. They made a perfectly gooey caramel filling. The brand has really been transforming the traditional candy-coated chocolate into anything and everything imaginable. Well, I was tipped off to a new flavor this past week, and it is just launching in stores. The latest innovation from M&M's is white cheesecake. And I have to tell you, I tasted them, and they're scrumptious. And so these candies have a white chocolate base. They're coated with pink and white candy. And then somehow they've incorporated the graham cracker crust flavor into them. It's a new and limited edition M&M. You will find them in some of the big box stores or look at your favorite grocery store or gourmet food store. Uh, They're just about to be announced and the packaging has a Valentine's Day theme. So look for them this month and through February. And of course, let me know if you see them on the shelves of your favorite store because I can't wait to get my hands on some more of these M&M's white cheesecake flavor. And so you heard it here first. I am all about making you a culinary genius and filling your plate with ideas that are easy to make or find or search for and hard not to love. So stay tuned. There's more delicious conversation coming up in your radio. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away.
A delicious new year to you. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Katie Parla is a New Jersey-born and Rome-based culinary writer. She lives and breathes Roman culture and cuisine. Katie graduated from Yale with a degree in art history before pursuing a sommelier certificate and a master's in Italian gastronomic culture. And she's written and edited more than 20 books, including the e-book Eating and Drinking in Rome, National Geographic's Walking Rome, and her recent cookbook called Tasting Rome. Katie is an expert on Italian food and drink. And Eater asked Katie to share her top 10 picks of the 10 hottest restaurants in Rome just recently. So if you're planning a trip to delicious Italy, or you want to know what restaurants are on the international dining radar, well then, this conversation is for you. My friend Katie Parla joins us live from Rome to dish. And I'm so glad to have you back. Hi, Katie. Happy New Year. Hey, Becca. It's so great to be back. <laughs> Thank you. Of course. How was the holiday season in Rome? Delicious, I'm sure. There was a lot of pork and lamb and all sorts <laughs> of like soups. It was, it was a varied uh, buffet, if you will. Lovely. Lovely. Um, okay. Run them down if you would. We're planning a trip or we're, uh, let's say, dreaming of eating in Rome. Um, where should we go? I loved your new top 10 list. I always recommend sort of mixing it up between your more classic restaurants and then the small but growing and very interesting array of like food stalls in markets or um, even non-Italian venues. Hmm. So some pretty interesting things have opened in you know the past year or so that are that are worth the visitor's attention. Um, I'm really obsessed with pizza, so I'm excited to tell you about Zbanko, which is part of Stefano Caligari's growing sort of pizza empire. He does all of these beautiful thick-rimmed Neapolitan-style pizzas, and he just opened a place not far from Rome's cathedral, which is called San Giovanni. Um, And that's a really fun spot for fried starters, great wine list. It's a collaborative effort with a brewer, so they're awesome beers as well. Nice. Great for a pie. How do you elevate pie in Rome? I mean, I can't imagine that pizza could get any better. Those are my fondest memories of being in Italy, was the pizza. I mean, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you you, uh, trade off with an espresso in between each meal. And I could have been very happy with pizza as is forever. Well, Stefano, for the past decade or so, has been experimenting with different types of um, flowers and approaches to leavening, oh, and he's managed to even elevate what is a, a pretty ubiquitous food um, food genre. And he doesn't do the thin crust, sort of chewy, crispy Roman style, which okay. is delicious and, and is sort of part of its own tradition. He's more reaching a little bit towards the Neapolitan style, where the pizzas have like the thick rim, the elastic interior. Ah, and I encourage you to to try Zbanco, um to see how it how it diverges from the norm and really reaches a higher level than your average pizzeria. Fabulous. Okay, next stop. Next stop is the Testaccio Market, um, where there are a growing number of food stalls, um, and there's a sort of double-wide stall that hosts Romeo, Cups, and Frigo, where you can get um, gourmet sandwiches, pizza by the slice, deli products, Mm -hmm. um, scoops of gelato, all in a market that used to just sell raw materials and now has a sort of bustling prepared food um, uh, offering. How fabulous. Um, And speaking of eating on the sort of lighter side and grazing, there's a place in the Testaccio market called Mordievai, and the owners, 
Sergio Esposito and Mara Cipriani just opened a second location not far from Zbanko. And what's great about this is that it doesn't have to follow the limited market hours, but it can actually be open seven days a week until the evening. And that's where you get these amazing um, offal-rich Roman dishes, mm. um, lots of like oxtail, um, heart, lungs, liver, trachea, stew called coratella, and even some vegetarian things like simmered artichokes mm. or um, uh, wild uh, sautéed greens. All of these can be served on their own in sort of like very basic paper plates. Or they can be served in a sandwich, which I love, especially being a New Jersey native. <laughs> New Jersey girl. <laughs> really speaks to me. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I love that the food hall is vibrant around the world. I mean, we're seeing in the States, of course, these food halls and, and meccas popping up where you get a, a bevy of different taste choices and so on. And I think that to hear of that success in Rome, where you can just graze in different stalls in a market, is really an extraordinary way to taste the city, to, to experience the culture. And I think that is a testament to, you know, food lovers that travel, is really getting a taste of so many different varied flavors. So the, the food hall, alive and, and present as ever. I think it's interesting. I just have to pause here and ask you. You wrote a very fabulous article about eating or dining in Rome on a Sunday, and you just alluded yeah. to the fact that the market or the, that new spot is open seven days a week. Is that novel in Rome? Well, there certainly are genres, like fast food places. And when I say fast food, I don't mean it in the pejorative, globalized sense, but you're sort of eating on the fly, budget-oriented dining venues or pizzerias are more likely to be open seven days a week, while as the traditional market hours and sort of traditional restaurant hours build in closing times or closing days. Um, so eating in Rome on a Sunday used to be really tough. Now with the sort of the growth of like the cafe business and the fast food business, we find that you can actually eat well on a Sunday. Hmm. Um, but that um, article that you allude to also has lots of restaurants that are open either lunch and dinner or just one or the other. So you can eat really phenomenally on Sundays, whereas in the past that was a little bit more of a challenge. Yeah, no doubt. So you can eat uh, all throughout the week. Leave us with this. I, I have a request, if you don't mind. I, I would really like to know if you are eating ramen in Rome. There are a handful of ramen bars that have opened, and there's one on the Via Ostiense called Bar Akira, um, which does a, a sort of very um, like pork-rich, like very wintry base. Um, and, and so the broth itself is really substantial. Um, and they home make everything on site, which is really cool. And sometimes you just need a little break from Carbonara or Trapizzini. Um, mm. So I always, I always look to places like Bar Akira. There's a, a cool new um, sort of Mexico-inspired mezcal bar that opened called La Punta that offers a little bit of a break from the Roman classic. How fabulous. So you can eat around the world in Rome today. That's that's really brilliant. Uh, the list is fabulous. Congratulations to you on continued success in eating and drinking in Rome. Um, I love your app. Everything you Thank need you. to know about eating and drinking to your heart's content in Rome. Insight into Roman comfort food and lasagna and espresso and more, plus tips on how you can see the city's ancient history without the crowds. Easily searchable on Katie Parla's app. 
called Katie Parla's Rome. You can learn more at katieparla.com. And of course, Katie, I hope to see you in Rome soon. A very happy new year to you. All the best in 2017. And thank you uh, for making us all very hungry for Italian food. It's my pure joy in life. And please come to Rome in 2017. This is our year to eat trappuccini together. Ciao. As the delicious conversation continues, we are eating around the world every Sunday. Stay tuned. There's more fabulous food right after this. Your soul in 2017, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. As we embark on a new year, I'm always looking for new insight and lessons to balance indulgence with moderation. And since you love to cook and love to eat like me, I know, I'm sure you struggle with the same thoughts. Nutritionist Rebecca Scritchfield says that happiness is a health issue. It's the founding principle of her practice and her first book, Body Kindness, transforming your health from the inside out and never say diet again. Rebecca is here to dish on sustainable life habits, and I'm glad to have you on the show. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. <laughs> uh, congrats on the book. It's a, Thank you very a much. new mindset. And I'm looking forward to embracing it. I read that in general, the fact that diets uh, have been scientifically proven to lead to weight gain in the long term rather than weight loss. And I would love for you to address that. Sure. So, yeah, we we know um, that diets do not work. And so the belief used to be, oh, well, that person just quit and gave up and a lot of individual blame. Well, now what we're finding is that our bodies simply don't like to be weight suppressed. It's a mechanism of survival that we can only go so long with not enough energy. And even more recently, we're learning that there's different um, gut bacteria in our microbiome that influence our weight and, and that when you diet, you don't. You can harm your metabolism, and even when you go off the diet, we used to believe that your metabolism would just get fixed, but it's actually not necessarily true. We are actually better off never dieting in the first place. The more you diet, the more weight you're likely to gain, and we're finding that it has to do with damage to the metabolism and also our hormone levels, a very important hormone called leptin that tells us, hey, we're full. It's time to stop eating now. That that lowers when we diet, but it doesn't reach its full potential even when we regain weight off the diet. So it really is bad news there. And I love food and wine and cooking as much as you do. So <laughs> I know this that. Is a joyful news. Yes. We can get healthy and live the kind of life we want without that use of diet stuff. Yeah, we definitely have that in common. And I really like the very freeing mindset of not dieting. I I do believe mm-hmm. in everything in moderation. Uh, do mm-hmm. you ever eat chocolate cake? Ooh, yes. 
Okay, I love good. Chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I like the three point rule, uh, the three bite rule. Rather, I get to the point where if mm-hmm. I've satiated myself enough mm-hmm. that I feel like I had three bites of chocolate cake and I indulged, then I mm-hmm. can stop and and move on to something. Uh, you know, more balanced or, or healthy. You mm-hmm. teach four lessons for body kindness. So uh, mm-hmm. if you could review them, start us off on, on number one, because you do love food. Sure. It's just about making mm-hmm. good choices. Sure. Yeah. So part one is called what you do. And it's really to help you understand the power of choice. You know, all your choices add up, which is a good thing. They don't all have to be a pass or fail. There's no such thing as perfection and body kindness, but to help you understand how um, how your choices can impact your health. And it's not necessarily about following what your friend is doing. So they're doing the sugar-free cleansing thing. You can say, that's not going to work for me. But what will work for me is picking the right time to have dessert, the right kind of dessert, and the right amount of dessert that feels good to me. And, you know, so we're not eating dessert when we're sad and depressed where we're not going to stick to the three bites. Okay. We're going to say no. I'm sad, I need to call somebody, or I need to, you know, watch a movie that makes me feel good, I need to read, you know, and then wait for the the time to indulge and enjoy our food when we feel like it's going to bring us pleasure. Okay, you also say exercise and sleep is about choice too, and we know sleep is such a common topic of conversation and more current Mm -hmm. than ever. It is essential to our body's wellness. Absolutely. And so, you know, and that can be a motivation for enjoying one glass of wine and, you know, a comfortable amount of food because if you drink too much, that can interfere with your sleep. Or if you just feel like, you know, we always have stuff to do. And so we end up cheating our sleep. Well, that ends up um, cutting your time that allows your body to do all its very important work. And those last few hours of sleep that, you know, between seven and eight hours that that we miss a lot, that's when we're replenishing our energy and our hormones, um, you know, that regulate our appetite. So, you know, one bad night of sleep and all of a sudden it's like, where's the bagel? Where's, you know, where's the donut? You're looking for carbs and sugar because your body wants energy. So if you get sleep right, you're going to find it so much easier to make all those other self-care choices that matter. I can very much relate to that. Rebecca, we need to take a quick break. More on body kindness in your radio right after this. talking with motivational speaker Rebecca Stritchfield on body kindness. You talk Mm -hmm. too in the book about your emotions, how to Mm -hmm. really address the voice in your head. Mm. Yes. So, you know, we, you know, uh, we all have emotions and we feel bad emotions and that's okay, but we don't always know how to handle those bad emotions. And a lot of times that's where we will kind of choose to, to, eat cheese in front of the refrigerator. You know, that's really good cheese. You know, sit down at a table and enjoy some cheese when you're feeling good, not just to kind of chase your problems away. And so this is to help people understand that food doesn't cause or solve problems. If you struggle with emotional eating, I'm going to help you deal with that in positive ways. But even more importantly, 
to recognize that we have thoughts that are unhelpful, that can bully us, that really don't help us create a better life. And I help you, you know, kind of befriend yourself so that it's kind of like kid getting picked on on the playground so you feel a bit stronger so that bully just kind of says what it's going to say, but you don't let it take control or power over your life. And it's a very important part of body kindness and being good to yourself of tolerating negative emotions, tolerating thought bullies and saying, you know what, no, I am my friend right now. I'm going to take care of myself no matter what, you know, broken record negativity is playing in my head. I am still going to take care of myself. No, it's a good mantra. I I think that if you stop and take a moment to think about yourself, then you better nurture yourself because you're mindful of it. You talk about um, nurturing yourself and finding your community. It is a support Mm -hmm. system that keeps us all on track, is it not? Oh, absolutely. You know, I tell a story in the book about my sister. And, you know, she used to be the kind of person that her coffee mug was, if you're 40, uh, pushing 40, that's exercise enough, you know, and she was very sedentary. <laughs> but it actually was a work fundraiser for one of her colleagues whose, whose daughter um, was surprised by a diagnosis of type 1 diabetes, and they were doing a fundraiser, and they were going to pull a 747 airplane, like, down the runway. And so they all had this walking challenge, and so she did the walking challenge, and she pulled the airplane, and she got support from her friends. And then afterwards, she was the one saying, hey, what's the next challenge, everybody? Because that was fun. Mm. And so she was able to shift her mindset based on surrounding uh, herself around a cause and people that were positive and supportive. She avoided exercise because it was always nagging at her about the calorie burn, you know, and it just wasn't helpful. So when you shift your mindset, when you find your people, you're just filled with love and encouragement and motivation that keeps you going and truthfully engaging in your life, not, you know, when you've lost 15 pounds, but right now. You know, you're enjoying the food, you're enjoying being in that picture, you're enjoying your life, and you're also finding a good sense of balance that works for you. I think your lessons are great motivation to kick off the year, and I thank you for sharing your passion. Rebecca Scritchfield's concepts and lessons of body kindness are all about focusing on body positivity and health rather than dieting. She teaches a shift in the focus from extreme change to small incremental changes that build up over time. And it's a really good read. Rebecca Scritchfield's new book release entitled Body Kindness is all about transforming your health from the inside out and never dieting again. And you can find the book on Amazon.com and in bookstores nationwide. Rebecca, thank you for inspiring us. Uh, We'll eat well today. Yes, appreciate it. Of course, as the delicious conversation continues. There's lots more to learn, more fabulous food in your radio right after this.
Highlighting the best of food and wine around the world, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. If you're planning a romantic Valentine's Day getaway or dreaming of destinations to visit this year, National Geographic's Annie Fitzsimmons is here to be your tour guide. From Italy to Charleston, Hawaii to South Africa, Annie is sharing smart travel tips for the most picture-perfect spots. And a very happy new year to you, Annie. Welcome back to the show. I'm glad to have you. Thanks. It's so great to be back. And congratulations. The new Nat Geo World's Most Romantic Destinations book is definitely dreamy. I I want to visit everywhere and eat everywhere and see and experience everywhere. And speaking of the sweethearts holiday, one of the things I love most about your travel tips is that you're really in love with travel, aren't you? I am. It's my life. It's my job. It's it's everything. It's in every cell, every part of me. No doubt. So take us on a romantic getaway, if you would. Valentine's Day around the corner. And, and with good food, sure. please, because you know um, that, that I only go to eat and to see yeah, a few things. I'm with you, totally. <laughs> I know you, you are. So Italy and pasta is the place to start with. Um, sure. But, you know, first, I want to say romance means so many different things to different people, right? right? So you might be on your honeymoon or a first trip with someone. But I also want to say, you know, I really believe that romance can be a trip with yourself, you know, falling in love with a city or a destination. So mm-hmm. whether you're with someone or not, I think this book offers something for everyone. Um, but, you know, a place that's really close to my heart lately is Switzerland. I'm dating a Swiss guy. So it's, uh, I was just there for Christmas, and I've, I've been several times. Um, and it's exactly what you want it to be. It's so wonderful and easy and efficient and you know i say that if you have any disease or anything wrong in your life that the swiss air can heal it it's so crisp and clean and fresh Mm. and the food surprisingly in switzerland is so incredibly good there's the soup i don't know if you've had it or made it called um gersten which is this barley soup with bacon and potatoes and um and it's perfect when you're hiking from hut to hut stopping for swiss wine and fondue and a bowl of this this barley soup i have been on a very selfish note I have been um, personally searching for and hoping to experience a safari. And I would love if you would highlight the best of your adventures. If there were one trip in 2017 that I aspired to, it would be that. I think a safari is life-changing. Um, mm. And I think that you can do a number of them. I mean, Africa is so huge, of course. But I think for a first-time safari, I would look at East Africa and I would look at Kenya and Tanzania. Um, and, and that's just what you, what you want Africa to be or what you dream of Africa. It's just exactly that in these destinations, you know, those, mm. those, the elephant herds that you wake up to or the lions that you're almost face-to-face with. Um, and that sense that you're so insignificant, but yet you're so powerful. I think that feeling comes through in Africa more than anywhere else in the world. Um, We have, you know, an add-on to that could be Victoria Falls, which is one of my favorite places, and we have it in the book um, for summer, and that's if you want to tap into that sense of adventure. You know, this is not some small waterfall. These are the, you know, some of the biggest waterfalls in the world, and, um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget going to sleep at the Royal Livingston Hotel, and you're able to hear the thunder of the falls, um, as you fall asleep. So it's just a really special add-on. And a lot of people do that. You know, they have the safari and then they tack on a destination like that in Africa. Just wonderful. Leave us with your best tips, please, to book travel for value and convenience in this wonderful age of technology. Um, what's the first place you go to or would recommend we do in planning a trip? This might sound surprising, but I mean, I definitely Google everything and I go on a lot of booking sites and things like that. But I 
always recommend to use a travel advisor. You know, just as you would use a financial advisor to plan, you know, your financial future, why not entrust your your travel, you know, your investment in travel with a professional that knows what they're doing, especially for some of these bigger trips, you know, a safari, a trip to uh, South America, Australia, those sorts of things. And actually, they get you the best value. You know, not not only are they um, telling you what to do and you can call them if something goes wrong, they're also saying, oh, we're going to get you an upgrade at this hotel. We're going to get you, you know, a $100 food credit or spa credit or whatever it is. So there's there's that sort of value that comes with using a professional travel advisor. And uh, more than ever, surprisingly, people are using them. So Which is, I think, just terrific. We all support yeah. one another that way, and it's great advice. I thank you for taking us on a romantic destination. I happen to love the National Geographic books, it takes you, even in just flipping through the pages, to a new place and inspires new experiences. And and for that, just even a moment of getaway is oftentimes satiating. Although, um, albeit, I would love to meet you in Switzerland anytime and have barley soup. I would love that. I would really love that. Hopefully this year. (laughs) Yes, well, I'll look forward to it. You can follow Annie's travel escapades on Twitter and Instagram. Just search Annie Fitzsimmons. And Nat Geo's new book release, The World's Most Romantic Destinations, is available now. Annie, come back soon and safe travels to you. Thank you, as always, for sharing your passion. Great to talk to you, Jamie. Have a great day. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. I do hope that you'll tune in every Sunday to elevate your tastes and feed your soul. I will leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration for this Sunday. You know, I love three ingredient recipes, especially ones with a fancy name. (laughs) This is a three ingredient caramel pear galette, perfect for winter pears. And by the way, the term galette Uh, Just a a fancy phrase for some sort of pastry. Uh, But if you're feeling fancy, well, I have a galette for you. It is practically the easiest baked dessert there is. It just doesn't look it. It looks truly impressive. And for this three-ingredient version, you use a store-bought pie crust uh, or pie dough. You pile it high with pears that have been sliced and tossed in rich store-bought caramel sauce. And then you bake It's just that simple. You will be a culinary hero. Just check out Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, my page at Chef Jamie Gwen, and I will post my three-ingredient caramel pear galette for dessert this week. I hope to meet you here next Sunday for more fabulous food. You can find weekly inspiration updated daily at chefjamie.com. And until next Sunday, I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I do hope you continue to eat well.